Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochilillo. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cochilillo, and today we have Dave and Carla. Uh, they are wrote some books on past life regression and um, and reincarnation. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having us, Gary. Yep, thanks for having us, Gary. It's a pleasure. And um, so this is an interesting cop- topic. I, I, I've covered um, both of these in the past with some other guests, but never both at the, really the same time. Um, I had a guest who was a, a you know, he's a, um, a past life regression therapist, uh, re- hypnotist. And then I've also, you know, I've covered the topic of reincarnation in depth too. I mean, I know they're sort of similar to the same thing, but not always exactly because uh, people definitely have, I've heard some quite a few different views on reincarnation. Um, so how did you guys... Um, get interested in this topic and I know you guys have a really interesting story on what brought you two together also. Yes. Um, Well, back in 2014, um, Dave and I worked together. Um, He was my boss and uh, Dave is a a physician and we were really stressed out. We had just implemented medical uh, electronic medical records in the office. And up until that point we were doing chart and, you know, pen. So it was an adjustment. And Dave, who is normally like Fred Flintstone or Yogi Bear, was really, really cranky. If you could <laughs> I can't believe you thought I was cranky. Yes, very, very, very cranky. So um, me being the office manager, um, I thought I would take it upon myself and, and say to Dave, you know, we need to do something about you. And I happened to be reading in a magazine uh, one morning about meditation. And I went into the office, I took the article with me, and I said to Dave, you know, you're just not yourself lately. Um, Do you want me to call a counselor and get you some help? Or what do you think about meditating? And he decided that we would meditate. Um, Important to say, Gary, that Carla and I had uh, really become best friends because I actually came to the office in 1998. And so we'd known each other for 16 years. She could pretty much call me out if she thought I was uh, in a bad mood or grouchy or angry or any of those things. Uh, And I really relied on her. So when she came up and said, you've got to do something, uh, besides some other personal issues in my life at that time, it was really a, a wonderful opportunity for us. And as an office, we started to meditate. And as we were meditating, it it was very peaceful. It was calming. It was very nice. We actually went on and started to teach meditation classes at one time. But one day while I was meditating, I, I had a memory. And the memory was from when I was three years old. And so in that memory, I remembered that I was in Boston, and I told Carla and her sister, who also works in the office, 
that this memory was from Boston and they looked at me because they were both from Boston originally. And so I started telling the memory I had while I was meditating. And I said, I remember I was running on a beach in Boston. Now that's interesting because I'm from Nebraska and my father had gone to graduate school in 1962. Um, so we drove all the way across the country. And that summer, he took me to the, to the beach for the first time. And I was running on the beach and I was screaming and yelling and doing what kids do. And suddenly this little girl jumped up, pushed me down, sat on my chest. She gave me a kiss right on the forehead. She said, stop it, you're bothering my family. And she jumped up, she put both hands on her hips. She was wearing this little two-piece blue bathing suit with ruffles and a little pot belly sticking over the top. And uh, so I was telling him this memory. And Carla looked at me and said, Oh, Carla did look at you and say, <laughs> that, was, that was me. Not only was that Revere Beach, we knew exactly what beach that it was because it had an amusement park and, you know, that wasn't typical of the beaches in Boston. But um, that particular day was etched in my mind. I did not need meditation to remind me of it because my parents, we were, you know, the good Catholic family, five girls, I was the youngest uh, but my parents were always splitting up and getting back together, splitting up, getting back together. They were Catholic, so they weren't going to get divorced. Um, so this one day, we were not well off. We didn't own a car. My parents got two cabs, and the cabs took all seven of us to Revere Beach. And when we got there, for whatever reason, I did not have a bathing suit. So we went across the street to, to a souvenir shop, all of us. And my parents really didn't have the money, but I didn't have a suit. So they bought me my first two-piece blue ruffled bathing suit. And just for the record, Dave had a pot belly too. It wasn't just <laughs> <laughs> so, It was baby uh, fat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it stuck with me. I always remembered that day because my parents and the whole family were together. So when Dave said that, if you can imagine... Uh, a chill went up my back and my sister's. We just couldn't believe it. And years later, um, in fact, about two and a half years ago, I had um, my first um, past life regression. And the whole scene unfolded right in front of me. And um, I relived the whole thing. Saw Dave, saw him with his obnoxious screaming, running down the beach, um, all of the above. Wow. So, so, um, so Gary, that it's, it's interesting because mm -hmm. that was literally, you know, 50 years ago as a memory that I had as a three-year-old that I had met Carla before in this life that we had never talked about. I just came to the practice. I bought the practice. She was the office manager. We kept working and we just had that moment where we were like, you mean we, we met in this life before that's and really so, really incredible it's it was, also it's also incredible that you guys have such, that type of relationship to begin with like if i were to tell my boss like hey i think you need to meditate <laughs> i'd be in trouble <laughs> well 
Dave's pretty easygoing, but you know, when you work in a small office, you tend to become family. And it was a very small office. We only had, at one time, we had like six people working there, but most of the time it was four of us. So it was easy to become a family. And Dave was really like the brother I never had. Wow. And, and what were the chances of you two meeting as, as children and then, you know, working together, you know, 50 years later? <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was really a strange feeling, but, you know, we knew that we were somehow connected. And so we kept meditating and it was relaxing. It was wonderful. And then I started to get different little pictures and visions um, and then there was a day that I saw a woman and the woman was happy and jovial and she kind of reminded me of Carla from a side view because their eyelashes kind of looked the same. And, and this woman kept showing me a shoe. I knew for some reason it was Carla's mother and I didn't know why she was call, tell, showing me a shoe. And I thought for a minute that I was probably crazy. But again, Carl and I have been able to talk about almost everything in our life. So right after we meditated, I walked into the office and I said, Carly, you'll think I'm crazy. But I think I was talking to your mother. And she showed me a shoe. And I told her about the eyelash thing. And Carla bought up on the computer screen 70 or 60 pair of shoes and said what shoe was it and I walked over and pointed on the screen and I said it's that one and she and looked at me and what'd you say Carla well of course when he said a shoe what came to mind right away was that my mother had been a ballroom dancer and she wore a particular type of shoe her entire life it was like an open-toed sandal she didn't just wear it to dance she wore it like her church and if she was dressing up so I just had a hunch and when I brought it up and he chose the exact shoe of course he and I and Paula looked at each other like well that's not even possible I mean how could he just guess he never met my mother she died like you know 18 years before we even met Dave um, so to get that right and and to add insult to injury him telling me about the eyelash thing was an aha moment because my mother had had this conversation like a few years before she died about the fact that without mascara, you couldn't see our eyelashes and we looked very similar. So when he brought up the eyelashes, then he brought up the shoe. I thought, Ooh, and I was pretty open-minded Dave, you know, we were both raised Catholic, but I was open-minded. Dave was a little more closed and he was sure he had flipped out. Uh, so what do you think this phenomenon was? Do you think this was because of the, of the, um, the past life, life, or was it something else that, that caused um, that vision? Well, this was actually me connecting to her mother who had died in 1996. So it was like mediumship? A little bit like mediumship. And so, of course, Carla and Paula, the, her sister, were really excited because they were like, let's go back in and meditate again and maybe you can talk to my mother. So we kept trying to meditate and we were meditating and the next day a different female entity started to talk to me and 
she told me her name was Isabella. And Isabella started to give me this story about knowing me for the past 6,000 years. And that she had been my spirit guide and had met me in many lives. Of course, here I am again. I'm a physician thinking, this is a little bit off. I don't know where this is going. Maybe I have lost it. But now (laughs) I'm talking to dead people and people that, and somebody who calls me says she's my spirit guide. I, I kept meditating. I kept getting visions of things. I saw this big triangular temple with steps walking up the side. I saw little Civil War scenes. All these little pictures would come to me while I was meditating, and I really didn't understand them until Isabella started to tell me that they were scenes from a past life. And then one day, I had this memory, and I was standing in an alley, and I looked across the alley, and I saw Carla standing in the alley. Now, I'm going to say it looked like Carla, or sort of looked like Carla. Uh, I was much cuter and much younger. Oh, you were young and hot. There was no doubt about it. <laughs> uh, and, but she was dressed like a flapper, and she was standing in the alley, and it was nighttime, and there was a big bright light above, and then I saw this explosive light go up, and I felt something hit me in the chest, and I was thrown back on the ground and realized I'd been shot. Oh, I went in. Wow. And I was trying to tell Carla that I had this dream or something where she was dressed like a flapper and I'd been shot and I was in an alley. I kept meditating on it and pretty soon I started getting more and more of the story. And what started to excite us is I started to find things like the flapper's name was Ruby Donaldson. That's me. (laughs) <laughs> this time was in Chicago. Uh-huh. There was a gangster named Angelo involved. Uh, Ruby actually worked at a speakeasy in Chicago. And Angelo was the gangster who ran that speakeasy. And we met at Angelo's wedding. Now, that's a bunch of interesting information. Um, until Carla went out and started to try to investigate. Okay. So were you able to verify any of this information? Well, um, one particular Friday when I was not working, of course, we were documenting, journaling everything that Dave saw and heard and was told. So I took these facts and I got onto Ancestry.com and I did indeed find a Ruby Donaldson born in 1904 um, in Bullock, Georgia, to James and Anna Donaldson, one of 11 children. And then I also found um, two articles in newspapers. One was a gangster named Angelo Jenna from 1925. He was actually uh, the North End uh, mob boss before Capone. Now, I never heard of Angelo Jenna. I mean, unless you're some sort of a mobster junkie, you probably haven't. The other article I found um, corroborated that he had actually gotten married on June 10th, 1925 to Lucille Spinola. Um, and their wedding cake was 
over 10 feet tall. It actually fed over 3,000 mobsters. Um, so we had the wedding date corroborated and that there was an Angelo Jenna and that he did get married. And that was the wedding where Ruby and Dave was called Jonathan then, JJ for short. That's where they had met. Wow. So, so, so you were able to verify that that Ruby was a real person. Yes. The wedding actually happened. Yes. And that you guys actually met. Yes. Correct. And there were so many memories that kept coming back about that. It became very detailed. To start with, it was like I was just seeing pictures. Then it was like watching a movie. And then it was like I became part of the movie. And what started is an interesting point to start with because then we're like, okay, so we met in this life in 62. We met in 1925 before we were even born. I'm explaining a conversation that I had with Ruby in, in one of these sessions. And I started to tell Carla the conversation. As, as I'm sitting with her and standing right in front of her and talking, I literally feel like I become J.J. Wright. And I'm having this conversation. And as, as I'm having the conversation, Carla starts finishing my sentences. It was wild. She literally had the same memory. And as she's having the same memory, we start having emotional feelings. And we feel like, okay, what just happened? Um, you know, JJ's telling Ruby that he cares about her. And we've got all these things happening around us. We got really uncomfortable and we actually jumped up and ran down the hall and started working again <laughs> um, because we're like, okay, this is very strange. We're, you know, certainly as a Catholic, I never believed in past lives. Reincarnation was a topic that was very foreign to me. Right. Um, but we just kept journaling. And as we were journaling, Isabella, my spirit guide, introduced Carla to her spirit guide, whose name is Elizabeth. Um, and between the two of them, they were filling in pieces of the story. They were giving us lessons on life. And we kept documenting everything and every memory that we had. And when we got done, we had 42 lives for me. 34 lives for Carla. He's a slow learner. Yeah. <laughs> and 29 lives that we'd actually been in together. Wow. So um, when, when it comes to, you know, I've, I've heard different theories on this about like um, group reincarnation. And I've also heard of like, like soul groups where, where people sort of share part of a soul. Um, so Gary, I'll give you, mm -hmm. I'll give you our, our take on that. Um, we do call them family mates because there are certainly groups of people that follow you through your lives. We found many of our past family friends in lots of different lives. Um, we don't fall under that category of twin flames that some people talk about. That's a, we've been told by our spirit guides that twin flames don't really exist. The twin flame is this theory that 
two people have a split soul uh-huh. and they're not complete until they find each other. And Isabella has basically told us God would not let an incomplete soul come to earth. That you're complete in every way. Certainly two people could be intended to meet and complement each other. Uh-huh. But it would not be that they're the other half of you because you might not meet them because it's all about free will and choice. And so there may be a draw that pulls family mates together and or karmic mates because your soul group that keeps returning with you, certainly you have people that uh, you have karma with, things that you need to fix, and or people that come to your life that you need to help. Um, you support each other well, etc. Those souls that are close to you keep reincarnating together frequently. And you'll find a lot of past life regressionists will find that. Um, we did actually, after we found all these lives, we went for regression uh, therapy training with Dr. Brian Weiss at the Omega Institute in Chicago, in, not in Chicago, in New York. Right. Uh, but part of that was because we wanted to know more. We're having this experience. We're getting all these life lessons. We're learning about each of our past lives. Isabel is literally telling us some of the lessons that we learned and, and what we didn't get right and why we're still here. She started giving us a lot of lessons about karma. And then she gave us a lesson on the five simple rules. And what are they? The five simple rules are live without conceit, do not harbor jealousy, do not harbor selfishness, don't be unforgiving or always forgive. And the the final one is really, it's all about love. Mm. And if you live using those rules and you're not conceited, jealous, selfish, or unforgiving, and you always love your fellow man, you're either the person that you meet, the person you're talking to, you really won't develop karma. You'll become a more loving person. And as you learn lessons life after life, you will be able to finish this cycle of reincarnation and return back home. It's sort of making the Ten Commandments easier, if you want to call it that. The <laughs> short version. Yes. Awesome. Um, with uh, I, 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 the re- what you're describing to me sounds like very Buddhist, um, like the idea of reincarnation. Sort of like I've heard it described as um, like the cycle of samsara. Yes, uh, I'll comment on that for you, Gary. There's certainly many religions that still talk about uh, reincarnation and karma. Uh, Karma is a very big part of Buddhism. Buddhism is a little bit about the, the word enlightenment as far as trying to go towards your better self. Uh, Buddhism is uh, a little bit anti-God as far as they say it's all the self journey. Um, I'm going to tell you that our experience very much includes God. In fact, uh, Isabella has told us that reincarnation was God's plan from the very beginning. Right. That 
you're given chance after chance after chance to get this right. Uh, an all-knowing, all-loving God would not create you knowing that you would fail and go to hell. And in fact, that's another one of those lessons, Isabella says, there is no hell. Um, now, we do create evil. We do create a little bit of hell here on earth because we live conceited, selfish, and jealous lives. And because yeah. of that, we hurt other people. And so we need to come back and learn compassion for those people, uh, which is part of the purpose of reincarnating again and again and again. That's really the purpose of our soul, is it carries us through life after life, whether you want to call that the conscious stream that some people call. But the soul actually is the vehicle, if you want to call it, that carries our karma. It's us that goes from life to life. So it's almost, the soul is almost like a magnet. It just, just sort of picks the stuff up as we live. And then when we, the better we live, the more do we follow those rules, the, the more of that stuff we, 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 we lose. And the later, I guess, we become and the closer to God that we can get. And that's exactly the lesson Isabella says. The, the more karma that we get rid of, the more that negative energy, the more closer to the light we will get, the more closer to love we will get. God is truly love. We're all a little spark from God. So we're all from God. So we have that little spark of love that we're carrying in us. And as we let that spark of love grow, we get closer and closer till we get to the point where we don't have to reincarnate anymore. Wow. And we return home. So, um, so let's, let's go like like it's interesting what i find interesting is like ha, have you ever had any um psychic abilities prior uh to your experience with meditation and finding your spirit god i'm gonna tell you gary i've always felt some sort of connection you know i always thought it was my spiritual, religious side, you know, if I had issues in the past, um, I can still remember going for a walk, and there was a place in Iowa City where I went to school that had a, a big bridge over a river, and I would go to the same spot and stand and have a conversation with God, and I won't say that I would hear God, but I would certainly feel God at that time. So maybe there was been some sort of a spiritual connection. But Isabella says that part of this was because at, at this time, Carla was going through, through some issues. I had some personal issues I was dealing with. And even though we didn't both know it, we were both praying for some sort of an experience that would make life better for each of us because we were such close friends. And when we started to meditate, uh, Isabella said she saw an opening. And so she reached out. Wow. Um, so what type of meditation did you use to make this connection? Like, was it simply just sitting down and focusing on your breath and, and letting go of your thoughts or or, or did you use something that was a little bit more complex? 
No, uh, that's exactly what we did. We just had calming music. Um, the lights were off. Um, we had a candle lit and we just sat and did nothing and quieted our mind because, you know, we're not alone. If you get onto any of the reincarnation sites, many people talk to their spirit guides and talk to God. We just have to quiet ourselves in order for them to reach us. And if we never do that, we don't hear them. And Gary, it's kind of an, another interesting thing. And this is one of the reasons we, we taught meditation, not even from trying to reach your spirit guide, but because we found so many health benefits. I started to meditate, started hearing lessons from Isabella about being your best self and what do you have to do to try to improve yourself. And I set a goal and in the first year we meditated, I lost 117 pounds just by meditating every day and certainly walking for exercise, eating right. Mm -hmm. But but I had spent my whole life being overweight. And uh, I set a goal, said, well, I think I'm going to lose two pounds a week. And we found out that meditation has that health benefit. It drops your cortisol and those kind of things. So we know that meditation has can be a, a powerful way to heal. And then we had this spiritual connection. So we started teaching meditation classes. We, we actually taught meta meditation, which is based on loving kindness and benevolence mm -hmm. and those kind of things. Using a little bit of that Zen Buddhist thought, but really just trying to make a difference in people's lives. Right. I, I, I've practiced uh, some meta meditation myself uh, using something called the four immeasurables. Um, but it, it's basically, though, no matter what, it's about sending you know, love out to other people and kindness and, Absolutely. and out to the world. Um, you know, there's a lot of different techniques. But one of the things that I find fascinating is, like, like for example, for me, um, I, I was even an ordained Zen uh, lay monk for a little while, and I've written a book on meditation and different types of meditation practices. And, you know, I've gone on retreats for days and days where I did nothing but meditate. And I've never had a experience where I, I connected with anything that I could consider uh, a spirit guide or my higher self. Did you see colors? The only time that I've seen colors is actually during an epileptic seizure, which lasted about 20 minutes. Well, and I was well, like, that's not a fun experience. So actually it was kind of fun. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, most people would not consider it fun, but actually it was like really kind of peaceful. And I was like in a place where there was just a lot of color and sound and I didn't feel any fear or anything. So, well, and that color, when you see color, those are your angels, whether it happens during an epileptic episode or you're meditating, those are your angels. And if you're meditating, just trying to get something or see something, that's not the way to do it. Um, you know, my husband's been meditating for as long as Dave and I have been. And just recently, throughout all of these years, he just recently started to get colors and faces. Now that's six years worth. But he's yeah. finally gotten to the point where he understands you meditate so that they can reach us and you can be peaceful not to see who you were in your past life. 
Hmm. Um, so, so in your opinion, then, uh, this is something that's accessible to everybody? Yes. I believe it's accessible to everybody. And not everybody it, has Dave's gift, however. Dave it, can it, go right back to the actual life, smell it, see it, feel it, hear it, like he's living it right that second. And not everybody has that gift. He's very uh -huh. gifted. So it's like a three-dimensional experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting, because most of the mediums I talk to, um, you know, they'll see things like a, a symbol or a color or a number or a word. Um, and that's but, but, sort of but, what I saw to start with, Gary. But but to, to be completely immersed in a three-dimensional experience is, is actually, it's, it's incredible. I've never heard of that before. I actually regressed Dave once and took him back to a life that we had together um, he was actually an eight-year-old little boy, and he had a stutter. And I actually taped it. The whole time he was um, under, he stuttered. And he got so upset because um, of some real traumatic um, experiences in that lifetime. I shook him out of it. But he stuttered through the whole thing. Yeah, he actually goes right back and lives it. That's really incredible. Quite most, yeah, most of the time, Gary, most of the time it all ends up being translated into English. I, I don't know how that works exactly, but it, it, the conversations get transferred into English. However, a lot of times words will come out where there's apparently not a translatable word, uh -huh. and the word comes out. One of the words at one time was Ahab and Ahaba, which are Hebrew words, which are which I didn't exactly understand until we went and looked them up and found out it's it's to love and to give without expectation, which is another side of love. And those were the words that were said during the conversation. There's a, a life where we are... Um, in Thrace, which I never knew even existed, uh, which is a part of Bulgaria, Turkey, and uh, and Italy, right in the corner there, that didn't exist except about 3700 BC. And there was a word that they kept using called Danielle, or at least that's what it sounded like. Uh, there's There is no translation for it. Uh, Isabella finally had to explain that it's a word that meant that you honor them because they're almost parental, even though they're they're your owner. Mm -hmm. um, because there is no word that that exists in English that's like that. Um, it's it's also interesting in some of these cases um, in Chicago when I was getting ready to go meet Ruby Donaldson. As I'm talking, I, I'm laying out my shirt and my trousers. Now, I've never used the word trousers in my entire life. Mm -hmm. But that's the word I used when I was JJ. There's a life in the 1600s where my name is Robert. As I'm explaining Robert's conversation in life, Robert is a semi-peasant uh, 
farm person in the Cotswolds area in England. And Robert gets up and puts on his britches in the morning. <laughs> you know, so things like that keep showing up that, and are not words that I would use. Wow. Um, so why do you think it is that, uh, well, one, do you, do you think we are, oh, why do we forget our past lives to begin with when we start a new life? And are we supposed to remember our past lives? And why is it that only certain people remember and some don't? All right. So three parts to that. Some right. people, why, some people remember them spontaneously. And, the, and it's actually true that a lot of children remember spontaneous past lives. We can talk about that in a minute. Usually related to trauma, though, when we remember them. And that's exactly what happened with J.J., Yes, usually trauma is the first memories that you remember. Um, oh, I was trying to remember the questions there. I got up. up well, the first, just a the first, the the first part is why do we forget our past lives to begin okay. with? Like, is there a purpose for for is is it is it a purposeful forgetting basically? Yes, it's a purposeful forgetting. If if you could all remember all of your past lives. Um, it would be sort of overwhelming to the mind. Uh, Carla and I were talking earlier and we couldn't remember what we had for lunch yesterday. You know, if you try to remember every detail of 42 past lives, it would be overwhelming and it would also confuse you in this life to what your experiences are. Another okay. reason that we don't remember all of them um, or everybody doesn't remember him, is there is a veil that occurs related to your karma. If, if you did a whole bunch of terrible things in the past to people, that experience was right forward in your mind, you might become a more terrible person in your next life because that's what you were used to. Certainly your personality and your traits and a lot of things follow through with you but you don't want to remember how you hurt somebody and how that benefited you, if that makes sense. So sort of the, the, the temper down some of the bad traits that we had in the past life. So Correct. we don't really, so we have a chance not to continue them. That's right. Cause part of, part of what we are is that karma. It's saved in our subconscious. That's why meditation, which brings you into the same brain waves as past life regression hypnosis does. It, it, it allows people to access their subconscious. As they access the subconscious, they start getting some of their memories. Luckily, past life regression is usually a one, two, three, four hour chunk of time where you're going to and getting some of those memories. No one remembers all of their past lives. I have chunks of lots of my past lives. I can go back to a new time and get a new chunk, but it's, it's really wherever you end up, it's sort of you live that experience. And usually those are the traumatic ones because those are the ones you're drawn to. Um, and how about the recall of past lives? Like, like, are we all, are all people meant to at some point be able to recall past lives or 
or or some of us meant to not remember in order so we so we basically so we can stay focused on learning the lessons that we're supposed to learn during this life and not being distracted by what happened in the past. Yeah, and Gary, that's actually an excellent thing to say because one of the lessons that we've learned is it's not really about your past lives. Whatever you did back then, you can't change. And so really the lessons that we've learned that we're trying to share is to help people so that they don't make the same kind of mistakes we made in the past, that you overcome some of that karma. Again, if you follow the five simple rules, you don't create new karma and you start um, correcting your karma, if you want to call that. And so it's, it's a matter of trying to get people to realize that you are responsible for your actions. And because you're responsible for your actions, you need to start changing your, your life as you're living it now. Because that's the real message. And Gary, in our first book, that was uh, The Gift of Past Lives with Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth. The stories that we tell, there's 21 of our past life stories in that book. And it's not just to tell who we were and what we did. At the end of each one of those lifetimes, we explain what we did wrong and why we came back again. And they're all related to the five simple rules. So that was the reason for that book, to share the things that we have done wrong. And with each story, you can read the story and then see, oh, yeah, they, they screwed up on that or they were selfish or this or that. So that's what that book is about. So, so there's a moral to each story. Every single one of them. Isn't there with all of us? Oh, well, I'm trying to learn that. Yes. <laughs> I haven't quite figured out my moral yet. Um, so with karma, um, do you think, um, like, does it balance itself out? Like, say um, I, uh, I kill somebody and then I save somebody else's life. Do those two actions balance out? Well, that depends. And it's not, they're not necessarily simultaneous. Um, you know, it, God is the only one with justification as to why you killed, first of all. Right. Um, and retaliation is only God's. It's never ours. However, if you're, you know, let's say you're a father and your daughter is raped and, and to protect her, you kill the person, you know, God would look favorably on you protecting her. But if you go and you hunt that person down and you kill them, well, that's just simple retaliation. Um, and again, it might not be as black and white as you killed, you'll be killed. However, in a past life, very early on, Dave was my husband and I poisoned him to death. And then many, many, many lifetimes later, I was poisoned myself. So sometimes it does work that way, black and white, and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, you can have loss in a lot of ways. Like if I killed somebody's husband, maybe in another life, I would lose my husband, not necessarily to death, but I would lose my husband. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes, it makes perfect sense. Um, with with past lives, I've also heard, you know, the issue of time. I've talked to a lot of people that I talk to seem to believe that that time does not actually exist 
and everything is happening all at once, including our past and future lives. Um, what's your take on that? So, Gary, uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the take from Isabella and Elizabeth on this one. First thing they will tell us is that, yes, in the spiritual world, time doesn't exist as it does here because there's no end. So you can't measure between two, these two points. There's a lot of discussion out there on reincarnation sites regard, regarding quantum physics, and that's a slightly different argument, but even in quantum physics, time is a measured vector in all science. And Isabella says, time is the experience that we must have to live life on the physical plane. Right. So time does exist for you, for me, for Carla, for anybody listening out there, because it is our shared experience. So you can't go back and change the past. Now, if you're talking about all things existing at one time, you're talking about parallel life experiences. Here's what quantum physics really says. If at every moment, if you only had two choices, we'll say, at every moment there's two choices, and as you're going down the two choices, you can't see the choice except the choice you observe. The choice that didn't happen, that you did not observe, if it continues on its own path, that would be a parallel life. What quantum physics says, that other life, that other universe is not entangled with the universe that you continue to experience. So whether there's a parallel existence or not has no effect on the current timeline that you live in and our timeline exists, past lives to future lives. It's more like a wave. It goes out from the beginning and keeps going forward. You can't see the future. And in fact, you should not predict the future is what Isabella says. So those mediums that like to predict the future should not. Because it is our part of our karma to relate to the incident as it happens and not prepare because that's not necessarily fair. The, mm. the, whatever's going to occur to you is going to occur, and how you react is how you're going to react. If you know what's going to happen tomorrow, and it changes the way you react because you want to avoid the consequence, that's different. If you're going to have a consequence, it should be because you reacted as you would react unprepared. Oh, so I can't was that, was that yeah confusing? yeah 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 no 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 it wasn't confusing it's just a little disappointing because I would like to be able to dodge the consequences <laughs> you that's, and most of the world yes that's <laughs> that's most of the world associated with this is we're trying to figure out how do we beat the system exactly and but, but Gary how hard is it really if you're a nice person and you go through life and you are you know you're not conceited you're not jealous you're not selfish, you're forgiving everybody, and you give love to everybody. How hard is it really? It's when you focus on just you, 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 me, 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 that's when it's an issue. 
Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty tough to do. I, I, I mean, I, mean, I think like there's, there are people out there that are genuine, genuinely good people that are selfless and don't think of themselves and are not conceited or any of that. Um, but I haven't reached that point yet. <laughs> um, so here's the good news, Gary. Right. The good news is. Even if you haven't reached that point yet, God didn't say he gave up on you. And, that, and I'll say God, Tao, source, energy, whatever you want to call the creator. God didn't give up on you. He gave you another chance. Because there's going to be the time when Gary does figure all of it out or the next Gary, or whatever Gary's name will be. Uh, Marjorie. Yeah, Marjorie. <laughs> I, I want a cool name like Thor. <laughs> <laughs> that depends on what you do to deserve it, I guess. <laughs> you know, I think you could change your name to Thor if you want, Gary, and it'd be all right. <laughs> No, my, my wife doesn't want to be Mrs. Thor. <laughs> That's like, I actually come from a, uh, everybody in my family like loves Iron Maiden, like oh. a heavy metal band. Yeah. So, so, so one day on Christmas, we all said, you know what? Maybe we should just change our last name to Iron Maiden. <laughs> That's okay. No okay, harm Gary, in that. But my mom Gary, was now like, you're no. telling your age. Yeah, right. I am kind of old. I can re I relate to Iron Maiden and ACDC some, so I can I relate. <laughs> That's great. Um, so when you talk about God, you know, um, like is, is God an individual, like a person, or do you think God is just something organic, some kind of organic type of consciousness? Okay, so Gary – we, we have a couple problems. The first mm -hmm. one is because we're men and women, we can't really comprehend in the physical world a non-physical being. Right. So does God have his own consciousness existence without us? Yes. Yes, she does. Or yes, she does. That's, <laughs> that's right. And that's, that was one of the lessons. God has both male and female qualities because God is complete in every way. Um, I don't think God has conversations, but if he does with himself or herself, the woman usually does win, Gary. But <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> oh, you're good men. <laughs> but, you know, the, the reality is God has its, his or her own presence. Mm -hmm. That is individual. However, again, we've been told that we're each a spark of God, that God is love. There's that spark of love that's in each of us. And we had a day when um, God spoke to us and said that the it was really a joyous moment. Um, and the moment was joyful hallelujah when all of my children have returned home. 
So, because so, that's that's what God's waiting for. And what, Gary, we're, what, we're what not you, the only person that have talked to God. Again, when you get on these reincarnation sites, many people say that they have talked to God. Right. Yeah, I, I've talked to, to, to others who, who have also. Um, why did God create us? Like, was he just bored and said, you know what, I'm just <laughs> going to create a bunch of people? I mean, like, like if I were, like, like me, like I get bored I started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary, unfortunately, we haven't been bored for the last six years because we journal and write everything that ever happens. Um, but the understanding is, since God is pure love and perfection, to love is to give. That is, again, a hob and a haba. So if you're purely love, you need to share. And I'm not saying that God needs us. And God really doesn't get a benefit out of us in any way. It's truly God being caring, loving, giving. And so creation exists out of love. Every once in a while, God gets a Gandhi or a Jesus or a Moses, but the rest of us keep coming back. We just don't graduate. <laughs> um, when people pray, does God listen? Or is it um, like the, um, the angels, like, like our, our, you know, our spirit guides that listen? The answer to that is both. God hears and has a connection to each of us. Each spirit guide is a direct connection to God's source, whatever you want to call that. Um, and so the spirit guides are always connected to us and always connected to God. And actually, if you want to call it tethered, even though there's no physical tether, it is all of us together. We are all connected through God. We're all connected as souls when we're on the other side, we all communicate with each other on the other side. And the goal is to get to that point on the other side or the spiritual world or spiritual realm or those set of planes that are there where our energy is raised, where we're all together as one. Dave, talk about our angels so Gary knows the difference. Okay. The difference is a spirit guide is, is created to directly communicate God to you, always present to you. Um, again, I've had the same spirit guide for 6,000 years. Now, I do have some other spiritual guides that are on the other side that I have met um, that are people who have finished their earthly existence. And so, like Carla's mother, um, who will speak and share lessons. Um, I listen to her now. Yes. Yes. You didn't listen as much when you were a child, did you? Yeah, that's for sure. But um, angels are a little different. Angels are actually God's work. So one is sort of God's word towards you and the other is God's work towards you. Angels are there to do the work of God. There are actually seven legions of angels. Uh, 
there's actually four legions of angels that are directly related to conceit, selfishness, jealousy, and unforgiveness. Um, so if you have a particular problem in that area, you will actually get an angel from that area, one of the legions of, uh, that will come and try to assist you. Now that may be that it's just trying to give you strength. It may be making you ask yourself the question, what am I doing? Um, but that's because God is actually present and trying to do something for you each and every day of your life to try to help you back. We're just very stubborn as humans. We think uh, we need to be in control. That's part of our ego. That's part of our conceit. In fact, the reason love is so important and free will is so important is a free being can make a choice on its own. And the only way you can truly love is if you're allowed to make that choice freely. If the choice is coerced, pressured, if it's out of fear, if it's out of you know, worry about retaliation and those kind of things, it's not truly love. It's some other emotion that's trying to hide as love. Mm-hmm. Because you can't really fear something and love something at the same time. Um, I, I know how you're going to answer this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, if God is perfect love, why didn't he just make us perfect to begin with and save us a whole lot of trouble? Oh, that's a great question. Are you going to answer it, Carla? <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, go for it. God did make us perfect. It was during our first incarnation when we made ourselves imperfect. We had everything with God. When we came here, we were jealous, conceited, selfish, unforgiving, and we forgot the love from God. Perfect. That was a fantastic question. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, Gary, I'll give you... It. Gary, when's your birthday? Uh, my birthday is December 30th. December 30th, so you're a Capricorn. Yes. So guess what color your angel is? It's red. That is the angel of unforgiveness. So in your past life, Mm -hmm. you had the propensity to be unforgiving. So you need to work this time to make sure it does not follow you. Hmm. Probably one of the hardest things I struggle with. Ah, see? Now, how did I pick that out of all of those? Anybody who knows me will say I'm like a really stubborn person. Well, and and I just don't let go of stuff. I just stay mad forever. <laughs> well, that just makes your blood pressure go up. <laughs> That's why you need the meditation. Yeah, keep that blood pressure down. <laughs> actually, I, 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 surprisingly, my blood pressure is actually always super low. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're lucky. Yeah, like like whenever I get my, it's almost like too low sometimes. Ah. So, Gary, to address your your question there, too, if if this will make sense. In the physical world, we have needs. And because of that, we develop conceit and selfish and jealousy to try to meet those needs. We are an evolved enough species that we can make choices that we meet each other's needs and then not be selfish. But because of that need 
that happens when you're born. You need to be fed. You need to be taken care of. Part of that is protective. And then what you really need to do during your life is overcome the fact that we really don't need anything. So um, can, can a person be reincarnated as like an animal? Like I would love to be reincarnated as my cat. I think my cat has a wonderful life. My cat doesn't do anything but sleep and get to eat and take another nap and then sometimes play in the window. It's, it's the plays greatest in the window life. in the sun. It's great. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give you some of that explanation, Gary. First of all, your cat doesn't need to reincarnate again. It's a, it's a, first of all, trans species reincarnation is unlikely. It's, it's very likely from the reincarnation research that cross species reincarnation would occur. You know, if, if man has evolved to such a point where it can make choices that are not conceited, not selfish, basically non instinctual choices, at that point, the soul could now enter the body because. Then there's now a sort of the understanding level that the human has evolved into. And so what we believe is the soul was placed when man first reached a certain level. There's no reason to punish you and put you back as an ant or as a tree or as a rock, as some people think. They think you can reincarnate into anything. One of the spiritual laws that almost doesn't matter which religion, uh, which um, thing you look at, to kill a soul is considered a very grave misconduct, and it always carries karma. If animals could have a soul, that would mean they had a lesson to learn, and if you, if you killed an animal, it would be cutting their chance to learn their lesson off short. So if you believe in reincarnation, animals couldn't have a soul or we couldn't eat beef, pork, chicken, whatever. Plants couldn't have a soul because we couldn't eat them and we would soon all starve on the planet because if everything living had a soul, there would be no hierarchy that would allow us to eat. Does that make sense? Um, yes and no. I, I okay. mean, I, 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 I hate to think that my cat doesn't have a soul. You're, let's say your cat has a spirit. It doesn't have karma, which is the reason you have a soul, is that you, so you can carry it from life to life. But when your cat is done, your cat is going to return to heaven and play forever. Okay. And do just what cats do. Animals it, are pure love and they live on instinct. They do not need oh. to come back. They don't have any lessons that they need to learn. Okay. So you haven't met my dog. My dog <laughs> is the complete opposite of the cat. Okay. My, my, my dog is grouchy. He bites, he's mean, he pees on everything. Careful, Gary, I've heard the dogs take after their master. 
<laughs> so, so, so this dog is going to go and mess up heaven? <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll be a perfect angel in heaven. He's acting out here for a reason. <laughs> Absolutely. Is he a rescue? Um, yes and no. Um, we had uh, somebody come into a store who's a a dog breeder. I, I work. We, my wife worked working at a, in a retail store, and somebody came in, and she had a tattoo of a bulldog on her arm. And my wife was like, "Oh, well, my husband always wanted a bulldog." And she's and the lady's like, "Oh yeah, well, I'm a breeder, and I'm trying to get rid of all my dogs because we're trying to get out of the business." So we go to this place, and, and the place was absolutely horrid. I mean, oh. it was the, I mean, it was 10 times worse than any animal shelter I've ever been to. Mm. It was absolutely yeah. disgusting. And, uh, you know, and, and as soon as we walked in, I was like, yeah, I don't think I want a dog from these people, you know. And my wife like, was really insistent. Yeah, yeah, we got to get a dog. We got to get a dog. So we got the dog. <laughs> well... So Poor I think, dog. So but, but, think about but, but, it, Gary. But the dog is also, at the same time, probably my best friend. So, Aww. Even though he's mean and great, I think that's why I relate to him. Because of that personality. <laughs> I said, and even my Aww. wife was like, you two really kind of have the same personality. So think about it, Gary. That the owner luckily was getting rid of them because probably <laughs> – mistreating an animal is going to give them karma sometime in their future. And you probably did mitigate some karma because you showed that poor dog love kindness and you took him home. Yeah. So, so I'd say congratulations. You're a wonderful human. Yes. <laughs> but, but back to the, to the idea of, um, you know, animals and plants and stuff, not having a soul. I, I think sometimes, like this is my own opinion, but I think if we dig a little deeper into what is a soul, it, it's probably energy. And all life is energy. Um, so I would think that at some point, you know, like when we talk about God, like at some point there's probably some type of oneness. I, I agree, Gary. And that's the goal. However, your, I'm going to say this, people don't like it, but your dog doesn't have the ability to completely understand the consequences of his actions. And so, for him to have to return again makes no sense. There's nothing he's going to return again as another dog and learn a new lesson. Really? He's not going to come back and learn not to pee on the couch? No. Uh-huh. He's not, Gary. <laughs> now, poor dog. I don't think he's going to have to pee in heaven because he's going to be energy and he's not going to be in a physical form. Uh -huh. But someday... That nice grouchy bulldog is going to meet you maybe at the gate to heaven. And Gary, that bulldog is actually teaching you lessons in oh, patience, is. patience and compassion because you didn't live his life. Therefore, you do not know what he went through early on. And forgiveness. It's constant yes. forgiveness too. Yeah, all of it. 
So Absolutely. You, you know, and you said Capricorn is like unforgiving. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to forgive him at least 10 or 15 times a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I will feed my cat tonight when it wakes me up and wants to eat at four in the morning, too. Mm-hmm. Actually, actually, my dog does that. He, he'll start barking around 430 in the morning. and I have to get up and let him out. And then go back to sleep again and get back up at six. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. It's silly. Um, so back to your, your past life experiences. Tell me about some of them that you remember that really stand out. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one, Gary. It was one of the early experiences. Um, I went on a trip to England with my sister, brother-in-law, and my niece. And when I got to England, I we jumped off the plane and we wanted to go see everything we could and the tour bus wasn't leaving till the next day. And we went to um, the Museum of London and I walked in and I was walking around and looking and I was standing in an Egyptian, um, scene and in front of me was a was a big bust of Ramesses II and as I was standing there I started to hear things and then I started to see things and I heard clink 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 and I realized that I had been a stone cutter who actually chiseled that bust in about 1250 BC. Wow. I kept, I kept learning more about that lesson. I met Carla in that life. Her, her name was Carlise in that life. Mm-hmm. I had been a stone cutter. I lived in Memphis, Egypt. Um, because of my stone cutting prowess or whatever you want to call it, skills, um, I was chosen to go to the Valley of the Kings and prepare the tomb for Ramesses II. Wow. Um, were you ever reincarnated? Like, I've, and I've talked to people who, who say they have been, been um, like in, in their previous lives that had, uh, say they lived on like Atlantis. No. So we're going to talk about that for just a minute, Gary. Um, First thing I have to tell you, because, again, I'm a doctor, and so some of the science of all of this stuff becomes important to me, because now there's so much I've learned now. But to start with, I had to look at every detail because I thought I was probably crazy. And so the first thing that you need to realize is all forms of hypnosis and past life regression are filled with fantasy. So there is, not all of them, but it's the potential for fantasy is present. So that's one of the reasons researchers don't study past life regression. Past life regression is a wonderful experience for people to go through and have. A lot of times there's a lot of healing with past life regression. However, there's a significant amount of fantasy that can occur there. Many times you're, you're building up a story that helps you deal with a problem just like dreams do. The other things we know is 
in the time between lives, a lot of times you experience something that you can't explain or you're getting some education during your past life review and they're showing you things. So Atlantis is a make-believe place created by Plato in 500 BC. It talks about a land that was so technologically advanced that they became so conceited that they thought they could control the weather and they could control the earth. They were also supposedly so spiritually advanced that they would never be conceited, but they thought they could control everything. And the environment and the, and the earth and the weather destroyed them. That's a lesson you might get during a past life review. So you might believe you've had that experience. Mm -hmm. I believe Atlantis is an exceptional experience if you want to consider the lessons for us in our present day time. We live in a world where we're slowly destroying the world and not taking care of it. We're getting more and more technologically advanced. Are we really getting more spiritually advanced? And are we gonna destroy ourselves? That's what the lesson of Atlantis is. So it's a great lesson but I believe it's fantasy because there is no proof that Atlantis existed. Hmm. Interesting. Did, I, did I burst your bubble? No, no, no. You know, I, I welcome all different types of uh, views on my show. And, and I never really, I, I try to be very non-biased and neutral. I understand that. You know? Um, I try to support people who say they have that experience, um, but I don't think we live in a make-believe world. Um, I think that sometimes that's how we try to escape from responsibility, mm -hmm. and the lesson of karma is that you can't, res you can't escape your responsibility. All right. Like the one, also one of the reasons I asked that question is because you said you were at at, in Egypt at an early time, you know, as a stone cutter. And, you know, there's always like a lot of associations between Egyptian and Atlantis from people that I've talked to. It's a very common, lives. it's a very common past life pattern. Um, it's somewhat related to Edgar Casey and some of his readings. Yes. And so again, there's the belief in reincarnation and some people's belief that everything is possible. I think that means that you can actually, if everything's possible, you can somehow get out of your responsibility. And so that is not part of the lessons that we've learned. So prior to being like, like in between lives, do we have the opportunity to choose our life in our parents and who we're going to live with before being born. Do you want this one, Carla, or do you want me? No, you're, you're on a roll. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So do you get some choices? I would say yes. I think your choices are limited. Um, you have to realize there is a higher power, source, God, that has to control this because we all have shared experiences. So we have to have someone who coordinates. Now, 
we're writing a third book right now, and we're talking about some of the things that God does to ensure our karma is met. That includes um, your astrological sign. You don't get to choose the month you're born in. God does. You get to choose some of the traits that you have, and certainly your personality is going to follow you. You, you may get to choose your archetype. That's a choice you may actually have. They're going to recommend the archetype that you're supposed to choose because they want you to have the best learning possible. Now, if you choose something other than your archetype, that's your ego cho choosing that, and it's going to develop another karma. So you need to kind of realize that. So you're going to put yourself in another situation that's difficult if you start to choose too much. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's true is they talk about things like soul contracts. And then as they're talking about soul contracts, the next time there's somebody who's on there saying, well, this is how you get out of your soul contract. If there's a soul contract, it can't be enforced in the physical plane unless God would do that. So part of this is a little bit of predestiny. You're given free will so that you can experience and choose how to experience those things and overcome your karma. But free will only exists on the earth plane. Because there is no need in the, in the non-physical plane. You don't get hungry. You don't need sleep. You're bathed in love. Mm -hmm. You're warm and comfortable. There is no it, it, need. And, and, and this is like, like this brings me back to the idea. It's like, well, why didn't God just make us perfect to begin with? But you say he did and we somehow jacked it up and now we have to live all these lives to get out of it. Yes. Correct. And if we could make all our own choices, wouldn't we all choose to be mega millionaires in perfect health, living the life? No, I would probably choose to be a pirate. <laughs> a pirate? Uh, I thought you'd choose to be a podcast host. Yeah. I don't remember making that choice. I think I wanted to be a pirate. A healthy pirate with a lot of money. Not so even, uh, just 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 drifting around, money. doing what I want, you know. <laughs> you have well, that choice now, Gary. I, I do, yeah, yeah. But I mean, so, un unfortunately, they they frowned upon pirates here in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gary, I got. I have to tell you. We were never pirates. However, uh, we were descendants of the Visigoths, which were a, a little bit piratey at one time. We were also Vikings at one time, and we raided northern Scotland. Here's another interesting lesson that, that occurs for a lot of people during reincarnation and, and a pattern we found. We were Vikings. We invaded Scotland. We found Scotland was extremely poor. The people invited us to stay. And we stayed in Scotland with the people because the land was beautiful. In the next life, I found out I was Scottish fighting the English. In the next life, I was English fighting the Scottish. And then there was a life that Carla was in and I was in where she was actually related to the Vikings and was married off to an English king who was trying to fight the Vikings to try mm -hmm. to make the political thing go away women were often bartered as political. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And so what we find is we actually end up fighting on both sides, sometimes of the same war, if the war extends long enough, because you have to fight on either side. That's part of the karma. And that's part of the compassion to realize each of us are really fighting each other or you're fighting yourself. Cool. Um, how about people that are born with ex extraordinary abilities? Does that come from like uh, um, a past life? You know, like, 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 for example, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, um, I started playing guitar and all of a sudden I was like able to play like Jimi Hendrix. Wow. At like the age of eight. So you were probably gifted or at least had played the guitar earlier. Uh, we do know that there's been some studies related to that, and there are frequently gifts that continue, so it's probably likely. I don't know, Gary, if any of the people on your podcast have ever talked about any of the reincarnation research. There's a significant amount of uh, reincarnation research that's done on children. Mm -hmm. It, it's a spontaneous memory. There's about 2,400 verifiable cases. Started by Ian Stevenson, Jim Tucker. Now Jim Matlock continues it all out of Virginia. Um, they find some very interesting cases uh, where kids will say, you weren't, you know, you weren't my parents last time. Um, or where's my wife? And they're three years old. Uh, there's a case in India where a little boy says, where's my wife? We live in such and such a town. Her name is such and such. And the family picks the kid up and drives to that little town. And the little boy walks down the street and finds the house. He knocks on the door and a woman answers and he calls her by name and it happens to be her name. He t asks her, did you find the money I buried under the floorboard upstairs? And she says, no. And the little boy runs upstairs, turn right, because he knows where the bedroom is, runs in and points to the floorboard. They pull the floorboard up and they find $4,000. Yeah, I have heard those type of stories. Those kind of stories where there's personality, language, memories that are very verifiable. It's, it's much like when we started to look at the Ruby and JJ story and we started to find facts that were real. We actually traveled back to Chicago, um, went to Little Italy, walked down Halstead. Isabella was telling us we're getting closer, turned a corner and walked down the road and I stood in front of Ruby Donaldson's apartment. And the name of the apartment building was the Isabella Apartments. Mm. And we did the research and the building had been an apartment building that was built in 1899 and had been there ever since. Wow. Those kind of things and those kind of memories are, are, are such that you can't, I mean, at least I can't come up with a way that I would know those things. Interesting. So I lied about the whole Jimmy Hendrix thing. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> do you play the guitar at all? I, I do. It's, it, I mean, and I can't do it, but it's taken me almost 60 years to be able to pull it <laughs> off. <laughs> Dave plays the ukulele. And it's not that good either. No, you don't want him to. <laughs> I used to play the guitar. 
And then I, I quit playing for a long time and I thought, I got to pick up something stringed. Well, I've been playing with this ukulele for a few years and I'm really not improving. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm pretty good. Like, I, I can play with my teeth and do all the tricks and stuff. Okay. Wow. Hmm. It's fun. So why don't you play your music on the podcast? Actually, there's some kind of weird legal thing where you cannot play music on podcasts. Really? Yeah. And well, you, you do, can play somebody and, else's and, music, yeah. You, know, you can't play somebody else's music. And then if you do play your own music, then somebody it automatically becomes public domain and they can just take it anyway. So yeah, huh. I, I don't even mess with it. It's too... I'm terrible with all that legal stuff. It's not even worth it. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. Um, What's the other? I had another question lined up and I forgot what it was. Uh, hmm. We can just make it up. We know you do that. I could. So Carla. Yes. What, what uh, reincarnation, like what past life experience do you remember that really stands out? Mm, Oh, I have a great one. Well, first, I will just let you know that Ruby Donaldson's boss, the gangster Angelo Jenna, Mm -hmm. he actually was my first husband in this life. Wow. Yeah. Freaky. We we travel with soul groups. Yes, we travel in family groups and karmic groups. And apparently we're in a karmic group, but, you know, hopefully we solve that. But The story that sticks with me is um, the one when my name was Julia Johansson and I lived in what um, is now Rapid City, South Dakota, right outside. And we lived in a Dutch community and um, my father was a trapper. He was never home and my mother had died very early and I was quite naive. Um, I had gone to school and I think, you know, back then girls graduated at 16 or something. Um, But I worked at um, an eatery Mm -hmm. and this um, man who happened to be the marshal um, of the area. And back then a marshal was not only the law, the marshal was also the head of the church. So he, you know, which in a Dutch community, yeah. you really shouldn't mix both of those, but that was the case. Anyway, I met him um, at the eatery. I actually waited on him and um, I started to date him. And of course, he was also my first husband in this life. Karma, double karma. Um, but what happened was I got pregnant by him and I didn't know it. I was very naive. And he actually had a girl in every city as the marshal. He traveled around, but I wasn't aware of that. I just knew that he told me he was going to marry me. Um, he forced himself on me. I just thought that was the norm. Um, but didn't his older brother come into the eatery and start telling me about his brother and how his brother had a girl in every city, not knowing that his brother and I were a thing. So after a couple of weeks, his older brother asked me if I wanted to go out on a date. And I said, okay. So we went on a date and that eventually turned into marriage. And we got married. We had a honeymoon. Um, And on that honeymoon, the first night, 
my husband realized that I was not a virgin, although he didn't say anything to me. Um, and then for the next seven days, when I got up every morning, I was ill. And on that seventh day, my husband went into Rapid City to um, verify our marriage certificate. And while he was there, he had a fight with his brother, who was the marshal, and the brother corroborated that we had been a thing and he had already had sex with me. So the husband came back. His name is um, Mr. Meyerson. Mr. Meyerson came back and he picked me up in the wagon at the eatery. Now I want you to understand the details we have on all of these stories because this is six years of Dave getting the details and us writing these stories and all of our stories have details like this that are unbelievable. Anyway, he picked me up at the eatery and on the way home, we were traveling down one of the country roads and I saw our neighbor boy who happened to be the stuttering eight-year-old Samuel Renner, who was Dave. And all of a sudden, my husband asked me if I was a virgin and I said, no. And we got into a big argument. He stopped the wagon. He picked me up and he threw me out of the wagon. And it broke my legs. He was a real big man, broke my legs. And I laid there half, you know, out of it. And he walked over. He checked to see if I was still living. I was still breathing. And he picked my head up and he crushed it on a rock and killed me. And Samuel Renner was watching the whole thing. And he ran home screaming and upset. But the reason I told you this story is that not only did the marshal get me pregnant, and he was my first husband in this life. The second husband who murdered me and crushed my skull, I married him after that. And that's my present husband. <laughs> Don't you love it? We have karma to work out. Do you guys get along now? Oh, yeah. After he crushed your skull? Well, it just, you know, that's another reason why they have to get rid of our memories because do you think if I knew that ahead of time, I'd remarry him? No. No, you probably crush his skull. I know. Yes. But see, I mean, that's why you have to have a blank slate to start out because deep down in your soul, you know what's right and what's wrong. But you don't need to know that the husband that you're marrying, that you're trying to work out your karma with, murdered you in such a brutal way because you wouldn't go back into that situation. But isn't that a fantastic story? That is. It's awesome. Except I hate having my skull crushed. <laughs> yeah, me too. And what's interesting is that we have what we call soul memory. Mm -hmm. And... Dave says that in none of my other lives was I knock-kneed until that time. And then all of my lives after that, I was knock-kneed. And I have a weakness in my skull on that right side in the present mm -hmm. um, that manifests every so often due to that. So we have, and you've heard how people sometimes will have, especially with the children, they notice birthmarks and everything from previous ways that they died. Interesting. Do you think past life information is stored in DNA? Uh, no. No, but we hope someday they'll figure that out. I think there's certainly some sort of an imprint somewhere, Gary, that we could tap into if, as science. Again, if we're always energy, there is something we can tap into someday. Um, we'll figure that out. 
Interesting. Uh, one, one of the things that, that, that that's kind of still about nagging me a little bit is you said that people are not supposed to look into the future or, mm-hmm. or, or, or basically do divination. Um, Correct. Now, I myself, uh, I mean, I've been reading tarot cards since, I don't know, I was like 11 or 12 years old. And, um, and, and my belief with that is that if the universe or God doesn't want a person to know something, they're just not going to be able to find it out anyway. And they will find out some of the things that they are supposed to know that might be helpful. So Gary, do you think you really predict the future with your tarot cards or are you reading the person and some of their potential? No, I think, I think you can uh, look into the future. Yeah. How can the future be accurate when we have choice? <clears throat> because you could see something that will happen tomorrow. And then let's say you see Sally get into her car and get struck by a truck tomorrow. But mm-hmm. for some reason, Sally gets up tomorrow morning and she says, hmm, I don't think I'll go. Um, that's, uh, that's a good question. And see, my, my it's not an- accurate because of choice. Well, my, here's, here's my answer to that, though. I do actually have a pretty good answer to that, a good question. All right. Is that everything that could possibly happen and ever did happen or ever will happen has happened. You're saying it already happened? It, 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 it can't be wrong because every choice that's ever been made or could possibly be made has existed in some previous lifetime or future lifetime. Every possibility has already been exhausted. So therefore, when using divination, the possibility that exists in this lifetime is going to appear if it's supposed to appear. If it's supposed to appear. So if there's it, yeah, still right, some right, right, there are things that people are not supposed to know because I think it interferes. But I think there are things that people are allowed to know that does, that does not interfere. If it's helping you in your life, like if, you're, if the psychic says to you, um, you know, you're really stubborn and you need to get past that, um, you, you really drive too fast um, and you need to slow down, then that will help you. But if the psychic says, oh, you shouldn't date that guy because, you know, he's not the right one for you. How does she know? And how does she know what choices that guy will make or what choices you'll make? So that reading is only accurate. And how would that even affect your karma? Yeah. You know, what if you're supposed to meet them and because of the choice you make, because somebody's told you you're not, you're not able to fix that karma with them. And so what's going to happen is you're going to come back in the next life because you still have karma to fix. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why I believe that there's certain things we're not supposed to know. What, what shows up as inaccuracies in, in, in psychic readings. Correct. Yes. Or they mishear things because that happens too. But, but I also think that sometimes during psychic readings, it'll steer a person in a direction that they're supposed to go and help them resolve karma. So it could go both ways. What if that person is getting paid to tell you something to make you feel better? Well, then that person would probably not be a true psychic. They might just be See, and that an happens. entertainer. 
Yeah, that happens too, too often. Like, um, for instance, I, I went to a psychic years ago who told me that I had a past life um, where I was riding in a wagon with my husband and he was driving and he went up over a rock and I fell out of the wagon and I hit my head and it killed me. Mm -hmm. Does that story sound a little bit familiar? Yeah. <laughs> but she was way off because she, she couldn't, she's not as connected as Dave. So she didn't get the details. Mm -hmm. She didn't get the karma related to it. She didn't get any of it. She didn't, she just told me bits and pieces and too often that happens. You know, if you don't get a complete story and you get bits and pieces, then our mind jumps in and makes it what we want it to be. Maybe. I, I, I would say I, I have an episode of my podcast. I forget the name of it. It's called like a, a psychic doctor and a scientist okay. um, come up with a cure. And if you listen to that episode, I, I think that might, you know, it, it certainly has, has changed. I mean, not, not to change my mind, but it actually just really convinced me of, of um, so many accuracy and some of the benefits of, of, of legitimate psychics. I, my first because, guess because, is because, because, because this, this psychic, he saved a man's life using science that he didn't, was not even aware of. The mind's capable of a lot of things. And if you believe something, then you can make it true. Unless your karma is working against you. So maybe, you know, in that, in some of those cases, those people, um, you know, think of the diseases that we get. Most of the diseases that we get are related to our karma. And if you understand that in your subconscious, sometimes you can overcome it. Is 2020 a result of people's karma? What do you mean? This whole year, it's been a disaster. This whole year that's disastrous? Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant 2020 yeah. vision. I wasn't no, 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 no. The year 2020 must be the result of a whole lot of bad karma. Well, so, hasn't it helped a lot? Certainly it's brought families together. It's made people stay home. I believe it's related partly to our group karma. That's another thing we didn't really talk about. Um, but you need to consider that, you know, as a nation, we go to war. As a world, we've gone to war. We don't deal with poverty. We, we've gotten so that we're disconnected with our families because we spend a lot of time on podcasts and stuff on the computer <laughs> on <laughs> our, you know those kind of things so we're disconnected and so as a society or as a world we're disconnected and now it's making us stay home there might be a little bit of karma in that our dogs are getting walked people are eating dinner together less people going out to dinner they're eating with their families at home. There's a lot of good that's come out of it. Hmm. I guess so. I'm not, and, I'm, and, I'm not 100% convinced on that one, but. No, but and how about this? How about, if part of it. how about if you're in a nursing home? Because recently in our area, we had a, a big COVID spike and a lot of elderly people died. But if you were living in a nursing home and that's all you had, 
and COVID came along and took you and you were already 90 years old and you might have lived out another eight years, wouldn't you be glad? Like, oh, I don't have to live in this nursing home anymore. Oh, yeah. yeah so it's kind of, there's been blessings to it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I and suppose. Maybe, Gary, the, maybe some of the economic horrors that have happened with this because people have lost jobs and all of those things. Maybe it is something in a past life. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you another little quick story because mm -hmm. I got to view my father's past life review. Uh, and my father passed away four or five years ago. In a past life, my father was a slave trader. The very next life, he was and as a slave trader, he split families apart. He chained men into the bottom of his boat and transported them across the ocean. His mm -hmm. very next life, he was J.J. Wright's father. J.J.'s mother died during childbirth. His sister was abducted. So... In that life, he had to live through split it, being losing part of his family. In this life, my dad was really a very wonderful man. He was a high school principal and did a lot of good things in the community. The last 20 years of his life, um, his Parkinson's became extremely severe, and he was chained to his chair for almost 20 years. That's karma. Hmm. I so don't he, like it. And you don't like it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but see, it's not always so black and white, but he got the point. Yeah. And, it, and the way he reacted, even in the wheelchair, he was still fun-loving and happy and didn't take it out on the world. It's not what the world, what's dealt to you in the world. It's how you deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to get ready to wrap this up, but I have one more question. I want you both to, to you know, take turns answering it. And uh, on the subject of karma and reincarnation and basically the, the lessons of, of, of lifetimes, what is the, license, the lesson that you think you have learned in this current lifetime? Are you first, Dave? If you want me to be. Go right ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, I think the real lesson is forgiveness of self and forgiveness of others. Again, people do things out of whatever selfish reason, but you've never lived their life. And so we really can't judge them. And however they act is really a reflection of them. It's not the reflection of what you are. And so if you're forgiving, whatever they do can't hurt you. Right. But, but what, what experiences this life led you to that? Um, I've been through two divorces. Um, I certainly am not angry or upset or even worried. And um, certainly money was split up, those mm -hmm. kind of things. None of those things matter. What matters are the people in your life and the connections that you meet with people and the difference you can make to someone else. Why two divorces? That's not too bad. 
<laughs> I think you're doing okay. Thanks, Gary. You just you, told us you, a lot, Gary. You, you learned your lesson pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Carla? Well, Gary, when you read The Gift to Past Lives with Mother Isabella God knows, but the first book, mm-hmm. Dave's and my story are both in there. And we are polar opposites. He was raised, you know, with the, the perfect upbringing. Mommy and daddy were at home. Uh, my parents, the total opposite, you know, they split up. Um, and I have learned to be thankful for the adversity in my life because I've had a lot of it, but I've had such growth because of it. So when you, you know, feel like you need to run because things are so bad, or you think, you know, poor me, because it seems like you're singled out and your life is so tough. You should think of it as a blessing because you grow so much and you realize so much later. It's like, thank you, God, for doing that to me. Because if you didn't do that, if this had not been planned like this, I would have never gotten to where I am now. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, so, so thank you guys for coming on. Um, where can my listeners find you and get your books? Um, our website is thegiftofpastlives.com. Certainly the books are available on Amazon at Barnes and Noble, um, both as an ebook and as uh, a paperback. Uh, we do have a second book because we talked to, today about uh, mostly the gift of past lives. Our second book is Hell No Reincarnation. It has a lot to do with Carl and I's um, trying to reconcile religion, reincarnation, and our experiences. And it also includes seven more uh, past life stories so, where we share lessons and experiences. So between those two books, you'll get a, a, a pretty good picture. And someday, Gary, we'll let you know when the third book's done. <laughs> and Gary, can I just yeah. say that you were very real and this was actually more fun because you are real and you're down to earth and we can feel that. Thank you. And book number three, it's actually called The Manual. Mm-hmm. And it gives you all kinds of little tidbits about how to live and how you were created by your astrological sign, your trait, your archetype. It's going to be very interesting. So I can't wait to read it. Yes. And your angels and your spirit guides, all the above. Great. Awesome. So, so what I'll do too, is I'm going to post um, links to your website and to your books in the notes of this episode. So my listeners can find you. Thank you. That'd be great, Gary. Awesome. Great. Well, this was a pleasure talking to you guys. It was a really interesting interview. And thank you for taking the time to be on my podcast. Be nice to your dog and don't be unforgiving. I love that dog. I can <laughs> even, tell. Even, even I when he bites me, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com 
Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.